Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told in the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Here are news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. I am your host, Fred. That great theme music is by Roger Gregg of Crazy Dog Audio Theater. And today, uh, we are in the saddle of fresh original radio drama productions here again. Got a very, very, very special show for you today. Um, it comes courtesy of BBC Radio 4, who originally commissioned it. Um, the show you're about to hear, Severed Threads. Um, as I mentioned, it was produced for radio, BBC Radio 4, um, recorded on location in New York City, Goldhawk Productions, a.k.a. Um, John Dryden, uh, produced this show. Um, I actually got a chance to record with John Dryden in New York City, where um, approximately a third of the production was recorded. Um, it's a three-continent, um, three-story intertwined uh, in a three-part <laughs> episode. So uh, quite an elaborate tale, globetrotting, and um, got to learn um, what a seasoned audio drama producer, uh, how they work, uh, and then see John work on location, which else is a bit unique. Um, even in the BBC, you don't see a lot of location recording being done, and John really pushes the envelope there. Um, you know, He's got dozens of credits to his name, and um, Severed Threads is uh, definitely a star among them. Uh, really excellent show. Uh, I think you'll be thrilled about what does uh, you know cheap labor in India and cheap T-shirts have to do with three sta- uh, three families, three lives intertwined in the United States, the UK, and India. Um, very cinematic in scope, and I think you'll be thrilled to hear this. But first up, uh, we do have another review from Captain Radio on the Fifth Dimension talking to us today about Washington Audio Theater's Cat Whackers. <laughs> All right, that sounds fun, Captain Radio. Tell us what's the scoop. Greetings, Audionauts. Captain Radio here with a review of Washington Audio Theater's production of Cat Whackers. Brian, voiced by Carlos Velasquez, lives a bittersweet life in the D.C. area. His boring job as a male receptionist for a law firm does seem redeemed each evening when he returns to cuddle with his well-heeled girlfriend, Maria Fettuccini, voiced by co-author Carla Bocella, in her Georgetown condo digs. That is, until Maria abruptly adds a furry and distempered third to the mix. Brian! Yeah, baby? You left your records on the floor again. Mr. Sinatra had a little accident. Oh, man! Get to bed, little kitty. Peeing all over Mr. Brian's records. Mommy's very upset with you. Glum Brian retreats to the grubby garage bachelor pad of his lifetime best friend Jake, a seedy barkeep, and angling on trapanure. Airing out his cat miseries to Jake, Brian unwittingly sparks a fearful chain of events. Apparently out of misplaced concern for his friend, Jake, played by Jeffrey Wendell, arranges a very bizarre accident for Mr. Sinatra that ultimately leaves Brian once more on Sweet Street with Maria. As the guys celebrate later at Jake's Urban Saloon, Barfly Ralph, voiced by veteran talent Hugh Hill, overhears and dark fate seals the deal. My wife has cat. Uh-huh. So Brian, how did Maria take it? That's the best part. Damn thing is always spraying all over the place. Marking its territory, that's my condo. Jake, man, it was beautiful. She cried for an hour and fell asleep in my arms, like old times. Hey, do you think you guys could, you know, take care of my cat problem? No way, old man. That was a one-time deal. Right, Jake? I'll pay you 500 bucks. Soon, Jake and Brian have a going cat whacker's concern. However, as orders proliferate, jobs go awry. Well, he said the cats are pretty docile, but he doesn't want anything in the place disturbed. His honor was real particular about that. So, I'll go in by myself, you wait out here, and act as a lookout. Roger that. Yeah, we may uh, owe the judge a partial refund. We soon learn why Antonio, Hill again, refers to Maria's papa, actor Steve Ray, as Don Ferruccini. I need your help in teaching a lesson to a punk who is making trouble for my daughter. Anything, Godfather. Who do you want me to call? I want someone, shall we say, intimidating. Harry the Bomb. <laughs> the Bomb? I mean, as you wish, Godfather, but... What do you want the bomb to do to this young man? I want him to make an offer he can't refuse. <laughs> so, perhaps you think you know where this PG-13-esque Pritzy's Honor meets the Capital Mall Rat's buddy farce is headed? Not likely. However, Don Fettuccini encourages you to listen to Catwhackers at WashingtonAudioTheater.com to discover the error of your estimate. Until next time, Audionauts, this is Captain Radio signing off.
All right, thank you, Captain Radio, captainradio.com. And if you, too, want your show featured on Radio Drama Revival, hit up the submit link at radiodramarevival.com. That is the official way to submit a show. We'll get into our review queue. Um, promising titles are then scheduled to get on the show as soon as I can possibly listen to them um, and get them onto this podcast. Um, I love to hear all of the uh, fun, inspired, and passionate new work being produced out there. It really is a very invigorating time for audio drama, but also overwhelming. <laughs> also overwhelming there are uh, I get you know hundreds of hours of new audio sent to me each week. So uh, if you use that form to send new stuff in, I would appreciate it. Thank you. Um, all right. And, uh, next up is our feature show, Goldhawk Productions Severed Threads, part one of three. Let's go. When I walked down the aisle, uh, spoke with the pastor. The pastor came down and then pulled out a firearm and shot the preacher. Suspect raised his, his hand, uh, fired the first shot, hit the pastor's Bible. There was like confetti all over the, the stage. And um, they shot his Bible and it just obliterated it. We heard what sounded like the sound of like miniature firecrackers. Right now, the only thing we know is that um, the suspect said something to the pastor and the pastor said something back to him. We don't know what that was. You're supposed to be doing prep. I'm doing prep. You just told me you weren't doing anything. I'm doing prep. There were sounds coming from your room. Were you watching that stuff again? No. You were watching those videos again, weren't you? It's nothing to do with you. Yes, it is. I'm duty monitor. You're supposed to be doing prep. Do you want me to report you? I was doing prep until you came in. Tim's wants to see you. Why? I don't know. It's because you're so sick, man. say, Jim? You called me here in the middle of the night, Jim. You must have something on your mind. What do you need, Jim? What does everyone need? Forgiveness, Jim? I'm not talking about that. Do you know what time it is in India? India. Um, no. I, I don't know, Jim. What's India got to do with anything? <laughs> Jim? <laughs> Delhi, India's capital. A bustling, cosmopolitan city now preparing to host the 2010 Commonwealth Games. It's Delhi's moment to shine. And yet everywhere, kids work on the streets. India has more child laborers under the age of 14 than anywhere else. Children are recruited from across India and taken to big cities to be exploited. Cheap labor and easy to control. early morning and I'm standing outside a textile factory in the Shahpur Jat area of Delhi where police are preparing for a raid. They've been tipped off by child welfare activists that a number of trafficked children are working here. Their challenge is to find the children before they can be hidden. Morning. 
पुलिस है खाटकर साहब है तुम इधर काम करता है क्या हाँ सर लेकिन आप इधर काम करता है आप नमस्ते Port Arthur 35 Winnenden School 15 Virginia Tech 32 Mission of God 4 What is this? I'm doing a project. What sort of project? Do you think I don't know what these are? Port Arthur 35 Columbine 13 These are not things a 12-year-old boy does projects on not at this school. I'm doing an investigation. I don't think so, Ben. I don't think so. He walked down the corridor listening for sounds. He felt the gun brushing against his leg. What is this, Ben? A story. Read it to me. Sir? Go ahead, read it to me. He looked down from the bell tower. The police were all around now, and he knew the end was coming. At least now they knew what sort of person he was. No longer could he be ignored. Keep going. Blow. Groups of sobbing kids consoled each other over the loss of their friends. They looked like ants, he thought, and he laughed as he jacked another shell into the breach. So, what is all this about, Ben? Nothing, sir. It's a story. Yes, I know it's a story, Ben, but it's a very disturbing story, don't you think? Ben, you write well. You're a clever boy. You have a vivid imagination. There's nothing wrong with writing about dark subjects occasionally. What concerns me, Ben, is that you only seem to be interested in such things. See, it's not healthy. Not for a boy of your age. Are you happy here? Yes, sir. Is there anything you want to talk about? No. I can't help you, Ben, if you won't talk to me. Well, I want you to bring your laptop to me. Now, sir. Yes, now, sir. You can have it back during properly supervised lessons. You can collect it from my office each morning and bring it back here after your last lesson each day. Have you got that? Yes, sir. You don't have a lot of friends, do you, Ben? No, sir. Ben, you need to start making an effort. It's it's not good spending all of your time on your own. You need to get involved. You need to be out there playing sports with the other boys. Will you try doing that, Ben? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ben, yeah, uh, come back here. Uh, close the door. Look, am I really getting through to you? Yes, sir. What is it you want, Ben? You're old enough to decide. What do you want your future to be? Because you know this is where your future starts, right here, now. I don't know what I want, sir. Okay, Ben. We're a community here at St. Wilfrid's, and in a community you have to contribute. 
But you know what? When you contribute, you get a lot in return. And that's what being part of a community means. Do you want to be part of our community? Yes, sir. Are you sure, Ben? Yes, sir. Right, then. So come on, let's buck up from now on. Let's be part of the community. Yes, sir? Yes, sir. Yes. And you'll value being part of the community for years to come. That I promise you. All right, off you go. Everyone values something above all else. For some, it's their career. For others, it's money or their health or their family. But for me, it was being at the heart of a community. I had a wife, a daughter, and the church was our family. What do people need apart from the Holy Spirit? What's out of here? Food? Yes. Yes. Shelter? Shelter. A roof above their heads. We all need that. Anyone else? Clothing. Clothes. Garments. Apparel. What we wear to keep us warm, to make us feel good. That's what everyone needs from the day they are born to the day they die. And no matter who we are, we want to pay as little for it as we can. Right? Right. Well, that's where we come in. We give people what they need. Clothes they can't afford. But we're not just a clothing firm. No, we're God's clothing firm. That's it. That's it. Now let me tell you, let me tell you my story. When I was saved, I went to Pastor McGiven and I said, Pastor, I have quit my job. I have renounced the material world. How can I serve God? Amen. Pastor McGiven said, he said, do you really want to serve God? I said, yes, Pastor, that's what I want more than anything. Amen. Tell me what I have to do. And Pastor McGiven said, go back to your job, live in the material world, and serve God by example. It's not what I expected. It wasn't what I wanted. Heck, I wanted the sky to open up for God to lift me up. But, serious ways, brother. But, create a company, make a success of it, make money, and use that money to do God's work. Yeah. You know, we make clothes so cheap, it's cheaper to buy new ones than to wash them. <laughs> Every penny we make goes back to the church and to help those in Africa and Asia and other poor countries. And with this, we're bringing the message of Jesus, and bringing the message of Jesus is bringing the message of America. Hallelujah. We are the friends that bind. Amen, yes, brother. we are. We don't need any Everyone knew me, everyone respected me, and I was glorifying Jesus' name. Before, I had squandered my gifts and I, I became ill. Now Jesus had given me another shot and I had never been better. My salary wasn't vast, but that didn't matter. Everything seemed right. That was a great talk, Jim. Mary and the kids, we all love Oh, this. thanks, Harry. Did you did you get your problems sorted out last yes. week? Yes. Thanks for your advice, Jim. Mm. I, I thought about what you said. We prayed, and you were right on the money. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> Give my best to Mary and the kids, will you? Uh, I will, Jim. Thank you. If there was a cloud in my horizon, it was Faith, our daughter. Well, hi, Faith. Hi. Your dad was good. I hate it when he does those talks. Yeah? Yeah. Do you think he'll let you come out with us tonight? I didn't want her to stray from the path as I had. I didn't want her to go through what I went through. Where to? Purple Turtle. A group of us are going. Yeah? Yeah, there's a band from out of state. I don't think you will. You should stand up to him and your mom. Yeah, I know. Well, that's what I did. Now my parents know to stay away. Yeah? Yeah. honey. Oh, he's coming. Do it, Faith. Do it now or you'll never do it. I'll catch you later. Yeah, later. Honey, you know, we don't, we don't like you talking to her. But I guess I was looking in the wrong direction. Jim, the figures are not good. Oh, then we need to drop the wholesale price, get our products into more stores. It's not just about cheap anymore, Jim. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I've been selling clothes all my life. See, if the, pr if the price is right... I know, Jim, but, but the market is changing. 
The competition is much tougher now. Other suppliers can match our prices and they, well, they're making clothes people want to buy. See here, Kyle. You're the accountant. Why don't you concentrate on getting the numbers right? That's what I'm trying to do. Because clothes I know about. There's not a department store chain in America I haven't sold to. Sure, I, no problem. I, I, I'm working my butt off to make this company a success. We all are. Sure, I know, Jim. Jim, Jim, can I talk to you? We're in a meeting, Sheila. Jim, um, I, I think we may have a problem. Well, Sheila, you see... <laughs> Uh, there's no such thing as problems here. There's only opportunities. Hello. <clears throat> one, two, one, two. So, here I am, sitting in the uh, hotel foyer, waiting for Rahul, my fixer, to arrive. And as usual... <laughs> He's late. Rain. Oh. Where have you been? It rains, yeah. Bad rains outside. I'm getting a bit worried, Rahul. We've been to four factories and still no kids. I know. Sometimes these things take time, man. Yeah. I'm meant to be flying back the day after tomorrow. Hmm. We don't even have a story. But I promised the BBC an investigation about children working in factories. Hmm. And we have hired you to deliver the goods. Sure, don't worry, yeah. We'll find them. I'm back at the Shahpur Jat slums, standing outside a collection of shacks, which apparently is being used as some sort of textile workshop. And with uh, several child welfare inspectors, why do they think there are children working here? We've had a tip off from someone who lives nearby. My sources tell me that the police have had a tip off that children could be working here, making clothes that may be destined for clothing firms in the West. High street retail chains that you or I might shop at for our clothes. And they're going in. They're going in. India, of course, is recognized by the United Nations as the world's capital for child labor. According to one estimate, more than 20% of India's economy is dependent on children. That's the equivalent of 55 million youngsters under 14. Let's see if any of them are in here. Okay, we're going along a corridor. It's, it's really very dark. More rooms. Going through. And there they are. A room, tiny room full of maybe 10, 12 young boys. Can't be more than 13 years old, I'd say. This room is just the worst, most appalling conditions I could explain to you. Dusty, damp, cramp, and a horrible, horrible smell. A few boys sitting in front of sewing machines, others just staring into bewilderment. The welfare officers and the police officers interviewing them, asking them their names. I've got one of the welfare officers here. I'm going to ask her. Hi. Um, they seem very frightened. What, what, what's happening now? Actually, they think they are in trouble, so they think they're about to be arrested. Can you... There are other children in the room over here. Seems to be other rooms with children as well. Could you tell me, um, how long do these boys have to spend in here per day? 15 hours is typical, actually. 15 hours. And, yeah. and how old would they be? Look, what is your age? What is your age? What is your age? 16 years old. He says he's 16 years old because that's what they're thought to say, but clearly they're all children. It's evident that they're not 16 years old, I can tell you that just by looking at them. Let me ask this one. I've just asked him how long he's been here for, and he said two months. I've just asked him what work he does here, and having said he's been here for two months, 
completely denies that he does any work here. In fact, came to see a friend of his. Actually, that is very typical because they think they'll get into a lot of trouble. So, you know, they'll pretty much say the same thing. I guess the most shocking thing here is that everyone feels that we're here to punish them. What they don't seem to understand is that we're here to actually rescue them. We're, we're here to help you. He's just explained that to him. Um, let me get back to this boy. Amit. I've asked his name. He tells me his name is Amit. Amit, you speak English? No, he doesn't seem to want to talk. Something seems to be going on out here. That's the owner of the factory. He doesn't seem very happy. Well, what will happen to him now? He will just get a fine. That's all? Yeah, he will probably get back to business in one or two days. I'm going to talk to him. Excuse me, do you mind if I ask him a few questions? Sir, I'm from London. I'm a BBC documentary. You speak English? Yes, I speak English. And uh, so how do you feel about being uh, fined for this? They can fine me, but what have I done to deserve this? Why are they trying to spoil my business? Well, these are children. Listen, my friend, where are you from? London. You think this is like London? Every rupee I pay my workers is a rupee more for their family. I'm giving them employment. Yes, you're giving them employment, but that's because it's cheaper to pay children rather than adults. You think I should pay them more, huh? I think you should stop exploiting. You come here from London and you talk about exploiting? And yet, when you're at home, you want cheap, cheap, cheap. All we are doing here is giving you what you want and you come here and talk about exploiting. So the police officers and the welfare officers are slowly escorting the children out of this horrible room. And they'll be taken to the welfare center of Fed, watered, and then hopefully from there find out where they all hail from. So we're going to follow them out. You come, sir. We will close this factory now. Come. This is done. Come, sir. So we make our way back out to the front. The children all being ushered. Probably seeing daylight for the first time today. Yeah. As the welfare lady mentioned that uh, 15, 16 hours a day is standard. And, and, and what will happen to these children now? Well, they'll be taken to a welfare center and uh, we'll give them some food and we'll do some health checkups. Uh, and then? Well, the ones that we can identify, they'll be taken to, they'll be taken to their villages. And hopefully they'll be reunited with their families. But the others will be taken to an orphanage. And as I look at Amit, the young boy that we spoke to a little bit earlier, looking up to the sun and blinking, seems like it would be the first bit of sunlight he must have seen for some time. Amit, aap kahan se ho? Uh, uh, Haryana se. Haryana se. Aur aap uh, ghar jana chahiye? se bhi milna hai aur chota bhai se bhi milna hai. I've just asked Amit if he'd like to go home. He said he's from a village in Haryana and is looking forward to seeing his brother and mother. You know what? If it's the last thing I do, I'm going to make sure Amit gets back home to where he belongs. When I was a kid, I learned this. Joys come separately, troubles always come together. When one thing goes bad, everything goes bad. Well, you see, Jim, I had a call from a journalist. Yes? Young fella, works for the Tribune. Well? You know, I think he's Mary Gottfried's son. You remember her husband died last fall? Her son went to journalism college. Well, I don't know it was him, but it was some young fella that works for the Tribune. What did he want? Well, it's not good, Jim. I, I don't want to put too much construction on it, but he said it was going to be on all the news shows this evening. What will? That there's a problem with one of our suppliers. So? In India. I didn't even know we had suppliers in India. Something to do with kids working in the factory. Let's go into my office. Kyle, guys, why don't we talk later? Yeah. 
Look, Sheila, I've told you before, this company runs on trust and enthusiasm. If there's a problem, you don't broadcast it. You share it with me privately. That's my job. I solve problems. That's what I was trying to do, Jim. But you weren't picking up what I was trying to do. So what's the problem? Well, I got this phone call. Uh Uh-huh, you said that already, Sheila. What's this all about a supplier? Well, seems like our supplier in India... It seems like they're using children to make our clothes. That, that's, that's not accurate, Sheila. That's a false accusation. That's what I told him, Jim. I deal with the factories over there myself. Hmm. Well, I don't know, Jim. He wants to talk to you to clear it all up. Okie dokie. Well, I, I need to think about this. We need to control this, manage it so that when the... When the story breaks, we got our story straight. We don't want to leak any rumors or it could or it could explode in our faces. We need to be in control. Have you told anybody else? No. No one at all. Ex- except I told the pastor, of course. And Father Peter was in there with him. Oh, here we go. Oh, this is great. Answer. Leave me alone. What did the housemaster want, Creepy? Why'd you get called to his office? I said leave me alone, Hayward. You're the creep. What did you say, Creepy? I said you're the creep. What? I couldn't quite hear you. You're the creep! No, still can't quite hear you. Hey, hey! What's going on here? You should be on the playing fields by now. Do you want to be on report, Hayward? No, James. Well, get going then. Later, creepy. You all right, Sharma? Yes, fine. Why aren't you changed yet? Look, if you just take it from them, they'll dish it out all the more. You need to stand up for yourself. Then they'll respect you. I don't want their respect. They're just ants. They don't bother me. Okay. Now, do you want me to walk out to the playing fields with you? I've got to go get something from Dawn. Okay, but hurry up. Already five minutes late. (laughs) We're heading to Beerkud. It's a village about an hour out of Haryana. We've been driving for several hours now, and I can honestly say that even though we're in the countryside, there have been people inside the whole time. There are a lot of people in India, and you can really feel it on a trip like this. But this trip is about one boy, Amit. And we're bringing him back home to where he belongs. Amit, can you tell us about I just asked Amit if he's looking forward to seeing his family, and he told me he's looking forward to playing football with his little brother because it's been such a long time. And what about your mummy? Or, uh, mummy go? He said he's worried about seeing her. Why? Thank you. He feels that um, he's let his mum down. What a terrible thing for a ten-year-old to feel. Um, um, I'm sorry. I, I just got a bit choked up. I was thinking about my own son. I mean, what a terrible thing for a little boy to feel that he's let his family down. I would say it's his family that's let him down. I can sense Ahmed's excitement as we get closer to his home. <laughs> this must be his brother. Oh, they seem delighted to see each other. <laughs> Are we here? 
through the house. Well, this is it, apparently. It's a pretty modest home, a shack, really. And this this is his mother, the... This is his mother. She's the mother. Namaste, ji. Namaste. How are you? It's fine. How do you feel that your son has come back? It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I've just told her that we've returned her son to her. She seems to look a little stunned. I guess having us here must seem a little strange for her. Amit has just touched his mother's feet. It's a sign of respect and uh, affection in the Indian culture. He's saying that the police caught him and sent him back, and that they told him that there would be no mercy the next time he gets caught. What's going on? See, basically, he doesn't want his mother to send him back to the city. That's all. She doesn't seem to be very pleased to have him back. He's saying to her that they'll clap him into prison next time. So it's better not to attempt to go back. Maybe I can work in the fields here, he says. It's very sad. Well... We've decided to leave them and head back to Delhi. There's nothing more we can do here. The welfare officer has given me an assurance that Amit's family will be visited regularly. I don't think there's anything else we can do here. We need to go now. I need to get back to the city. Right. I hope we've done the right thing. You've got your story anyway. That's what you were here for. Yeah. It's not always easy to see the connections between people and events, but we are all connected as surely as the threads in a garment, regardless of space or time. Ben, what are you doing in the office? Aren't you supposed to be at team practice? Yes, sir. I was just on my way there. I just needed to look up a telephone number. On the computer? I would have asked, sir, but there was no one here and I was late for practice, so I thought... What number? Let me see. What's this code? Minneapolis. It's in America. <laughs> I know where Minneapolis is. Could you want to call there, Ben? A college. Why? Because I'm thinking of going there, sir. <laughs> Aren't you a little young to be thinking of college, Ben? Hi, Jim. I'm I'm Chris Bain. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. I watch your show all the time. That's great. Nostrand, that's an interesting surname. Is it uh, what, Dutch? Russian. Yeah. Yeah, way back was Nostranovich. My great grandfather was a Cossack. Came over. Came over here with his family in the 1870s. Yeah. Wow. yeah then he shortened the name to Nostrand, you know, to blend in. Hmm. Yeah, I think the Cossacks were pretty unpopular here around that time. <laughs> this shouldn't take long. Oh, no problem. It can take as long as you like. I just want to clear the air. Have a seat. I'll just ask a few fairly straightforward questions, and hopefully we can get this all cleared up. It's going out live, so we need to be live. Yeah, don't worry about right, that. It'd be like a trip go. to the candy quiet store. Quiet down, please. Everybody quiet. Settle, please. Here we go. In five, four, three. Welcome back. I'm Chris Bannon with News Time on Minneapolis 801. Now, clothing firm Cheap Threads is in the dock with allegations over the use of child labor in its third world factories. To answer these allegations, I have with me commercial director Jim Nostrand. Good afternoon, Mr. Nostrand. Good Nostrum. afternoon. Now... 
Cheap Threads is part of a network of companies owned and operated by the Mission of God Church. Why doesn't that ever appear on your promotional well, material? No, that's that's not that's not accurate, Chris. It's not. No, it's not owned by the church. Excuse me, it's not owned by the church. Well, no, we are a charity. A charity owned and managed by the Mission of God Church. Well, yes. Okay, uh, so it is owned by the Mission of God Church. Why do you try to disguise that fact? No, no, we don't try to hide anything. Come on, Mr. Nostrand. If I go to one of your stores with my family, is there anything that will tell me that the money I spend will go to support the mission of God Church? What if I don't want my money to go to the church? Well, see, no, yeah, no, it doesn't go to the church. It goes to the works of the church in poor countries. You know, you see, there's a difference. Yes, Mr. Nostrand, there's a difference. You using children in the developing world to make cheap clothes and then you using, so you claim, the profits of their labor to fund projects that are supposed to help children in developing countries? No, no. We didn't know anything about the factory using kids. That I can confirm. No one here in Minneapolis knew about this. That's, I can say that with 100% certainty. Let's let's turn the page on. Hey, Shama? Yeah? Have you got my mobile phone? No. Judy ears aren't allowed mobile phones. I know that. I'm talking about my mobile phone. I had it with me in the changing room. Changing room? Yes. When I came to rescue you the other day. Are you sure you didn't see it? I think... Yeah? I think I saw Haywood with the mobile phone. On the playing fields. Right. Is that cheap threads? I'm sorry? Cheap threads. You make clothes? Yes, but we're not called that anymore. We're prestige clothes now. Oh. How may I help you? I'm trying to find someone. Someone who works here, honey? Yes. Okie dokie. Let's see if I can help you. Is it your mom or dad that works here? We don't have that many people who work here, so I don't think I'm going to have too much trouble locating who you're looking for. Jim Nostrand. Oh. Is this a joke? No. I... But he doesn't work here anymore. I know, but... He's nothing to do with us. I want to get a telephone number. All that happened five years ago. What do you want? <laughs> I want to talk to him. Do you have a telephone number? We don't do that. Or what? an email address. Do you know the family? I... Yes, I do. I think I'd better get my manager to come and talk to you. He'd know much more. Just one moment, please. matter who I am. I'm coming to get him. What? Who? Jim Nostrand. Jim Nostrand hasn't worked here for five years. Who is this? Tell him. It's just a matter of time. Vengeance is coming. How's your turkey, Pastor? Excellent, Ruth. Always is when you've prepared it. <laughs> You're a lucky man, Jim. <laughs> sure am. So, uh, like I was saying, Pastor, I don't think we need to worry about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've taken care of it all. Spent the whole afternoon talking to journalists, putting them right on the situation. Hey, did you did you see my interview on News Time? <laughs> uh-huh. Did Faith help prepare this wonderful feast? I'm addressing faith, my dear. No, Pastor. I didn't have a hand in this. So, Pastor, I think I've laid to rest this whole business. At least as far as the company or the church having anything to do with this. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, we can't be expected to know what's going on over there in India. <laughs> Not everything. May I be excused? Oh, uh, oh sure, honey. Well, good night, Faith. I hope you're keeping all right. Yes, Pastor. Will you be coming to prayer group this Thursday? We missed you last week. Of course she will. <laughs> Won't you, honey? Of course. Highlight of my week, Pastor. She's really growing up. Mm. You've got a couple of lovely girls here, Jim. I hope you're looking after them. Oh, he is, Pastor. How's Faith doing at school? Studying hard? Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, yes, she is, Pastor. And she'll be going off to college soon. Truth is, she's going through a difficult age, Pastor, right now. Mm. I heard she was at the Purple Turtle the other night. You know, I don't want to tell you how to bring up your child, but be careful mm. for faith. That place. I hear things about it. I hear things about it I don't like. That I don't think any decent Christian family would like. Children need guidance. Would you like some more, Pastor? Oh, no. No, I had my fill. Are you sure? <laughs> Here, let me take your plate. Oh, thank you. So, I think we're, we're okay with regard to all that. Good, I'm glad to hear that, Jim. I mean, the factory even had a license from the government. We, we wouldn't have used them if they didn't have a license. If the government over there can't control what goes on, then how can they expect us to? So, you think that's it? Yeah, what more can anyone say? We didn't know what was going on. Yeah, see, that's the trouble. But how could we know? <laughs> the church cannot be tainted with these kinds of accusations. No, I didn't think anyone is tainted. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. No one is at fault here, Pastor. That's not the point, Jim. It's how it looks to the outside world. I and the Board of Governors. Well, Jim, we're very concerned about this. We need it settled. We need it settled quickly. I think you will find it is, Pastor. I hope so, Jim. I really do. Ah, Ruth, your key lime pie. You're spoiling me. Well, we can't let you go home hungry, Pastor. The righteous eateth to the satisfying of his soul. Um, excuse me. Jim speaking. Jim Nostrand? Yeah, who is this? Um, well, why... Perhaps you don't remember me. Uh, well, sure I do. I saw you on television. Uh, who is this? Doesn't matter who I am. It's what I know about what you did to Billy Perkins. Who is it, honey? Uh, just another reporter. Listen, I don't know who you are or what you want, but please don't call here again. In Severed Threads, God's Clothing Firm, Jim was played by Brian Darcy James, Prem Amit Chana, Ben Hugo Docking, Tim's Henry Goodman, Ruth Marsha Dietlin, Kyle Matt Bennett, Sheila Janet Foster, Rahul Anko Vikal, and Amit Vijay Yadav. Other parts were played by, in America, Tom Tammy, Amanda Scott Ellis, John Leonard Thompson, Jacob Knoll, Craig Bockhorn, Felicity Jones, and Miles Chapin. In India, by Pushan Kripalani, Nadia Khan, Aisha Raza, Varushka Menon, Kenneth Desai, Tasneem Shah, and children from the Akanksha Foundation. And in the UK, by Francois Testroy, Gethin Anthony, Daniel Bridal, and Callum Francis. The producers in New York were David Rapkin and Kim Mareffi, with casting by Janet Foster. The script editor was Mike Walker. Sound design was by Ayusha Hooja, Frederick Greenhague, and Steve Bond. The music was composed by Sasha Putnam. Severed Threads was written and directed by John Dryden and is a Goldhawk Essential production for BBC Radio 4. 
All right, and that was Severed Threads Part 1 by producer John Dryden, his company, Goldhawk Productions, originally commissioned for BBC Radio 4. Goldhawk has just gotten a website you can check out at goldhawk.eu. Goldhawk.eu is in European Union. More of um, this show, uh, this series, next week. Um, in the meantime, you can remember you can find over 150 hours of original audio drama programming at radiodramarevival.com. You can also find about the latest in audio drama news by following us on Twitter at Radio Drama, or search Facebook for Radio Drama Revival, or also iTunes, search for Radio Drama Revival. Um, you can now also get Radio Drama Revival delivered to you as weekly email updates. Um, if you are not reliable, checking your podcast tuner and want to be poked uh, when there's a new episode out, I can go to RadioDramaRevival.com and submit um, and sign up for our weekly email digest. You can also email me directly, Fred at RadioDramaRevival.com, and I will add you to that. So uh, expect a few more plugs for that. I'm going to slowly try it out, see how many people actually want to hear um, emails from Radio Drama Revival. It'll be mostly the same stuff you can get on the blog or podcast. I don't need to feel like you're missing anything, but we will have um, some special stuff there. Um, you know, I'll be honest, with all the new media stuff out there, email is still the best way to reach me, Fred at Radio drama revival.com and that wraps it up for this week radio drama revival is produced by yours truly fred greenhalgh copyright of individual shows remains their original producers but do please share this show as far and widely as you like radio drama revival originates in on-air radio at wmpg fm greater portland maine's community radio it is podcast at radio drama revival.com as a labor of love till next time keep your mind and your ears open thanks for tuning in and have a great week mm-hmm.